You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Ugly Duckling, Part 1. Enjoy. It's Easter morning, and oh man, are we excited about it. We're celebrating the resurrection of a man named Jesus. How long ago did Jesus rise from the dead? What year was it? Anybody know? Who was there? It was like 33 A.D., somewhere about there. He rose from the dead. That's almost 2,000 years ago. So what's up with that? Why are we celebrating something that happened almost 2,000 years ago on April 5th, 2015? How relevant is the resurrection of this man, Jesus, to your life today? We want you to know at Highway Church, nothing could be more relevant to the life you're living today than the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? No matter what age you are, whether you're 5, 15, 35, or 95, the most relevant event to your life today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that as we go through the Word. We have a special message prepared on this special day for you called The Ugly Duckling. How many know the story of The Ugly Duckling? Yeah, it's a great story. We're going to talk about two ugly ducklings today. The first one is Jesus, the Son of Man. And the second one is you. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here in your presence Because your son rose from the dead, we're alive. And we thank you. We open our hearts to your spirit and to your word. And we thank you, Father, for for strengthening us, for making all things new in our lives, and for leading us forward in your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first ugly duckling, Jesus, the son of man. Well, let's talk about this story. It may be a while since you've heard it. So let's just go over the story of the ugly duckling. So there's this mother duck and she's sitting on her nest on her eggs. And it's a, it's a beautiful spring day and all of the eggs finally hatch except for one. And these beautiful ducklings come out, and the mother duck is so excited, but she's looking at this one egg, wondering what the problem is. This egg is bigger than the other eggs. It's a different color, and it hasn't hatched yet. And along comes a friend of mother duck, and she says, well, maybe you got a turkey egg. Maybe you've been sitting on a turkey egg. Have you ever been called a turkey before? Well, the mother duck said, well, you know what? I've been sitting on this thing so long. I don't care if it is a turkey egg. I'm going to keep sitting on it till it hatches. So she sits on that egg, and finally, it hatches. And the mother duck is a little startled. She looks at this thing and says, this is the ugliest duckling I've ever seen. Maybe it is a turkey. So she says, well, there's one way to tell. Turkeys can't swim. So I'm going to take my ducklings swimming to find out what this thing is. So they all go into the pond, and as they're swimming, the mother duck turns and looks at the ugly duckling, and she is amazed at how beautifully and gracefully this ugly duckling swims. He ain't no turkey. So she says, well, he must be a duck, and they get out of the pond, and they head back to the barnyard, and oh boy, when the other animals see this ugly duckling, they begin to harass him, 
They begin to call him names. They begin to peck at him and tease him. And it gets so bad, the ugly duckling decides he's, he's out of here. He's going to leave. So the ugly duckling leaves the barnyard, and he goes out into the wilderness all by himself alone, despised, rejected, and he stays in the wild. And he stays away from all the other animals all the way through the spring and the summer and the fall and even through the winter until finally it's next spring, one year later. And he feels so terrible and so alone and he's so sad. He just loves to swim, but he doesn't want to be around any other animals. So he decides, I'm going to find a pond where I can be alone and just swim. So he finds a pond and he gets in the pond and he starts swimming. And he's just sad and he's alone. And all of a sudden, three beautiful, graceful, royal-looking birds come and land on the pond. And the ugly duckling is just mesmerized by these beautiful birds. And he's just staring at them. And then he gets afraid because they see him. They turn and they look at him, and they don't only see him, but they raise their wings and they start coming towards him. And now he said, uh-oh, here we go again. They're going to harass me. They're going to beat me. So he puts his head down, getting ready for them to hit him and to, and to peck at him. And as he puts his head down, he looks into the water, and he sees his reflection for the first time since he went with that swim with his mom a year ago. And he's startled by what he sees. He realizes that he looks like the beautiful, graceful, royal birds that are coming towards him. And as he's looking at himself in the reflection in the water, he says, wait a minute. I'm not all those things that others called me. I'm a swan. I'm a beautiful, graceful, royal bird like they are. It was the reflection that was revealed in the water that opened his eyes to the truth of who he really was. And when he saw the truth, it set him free. And the real him, the swan that was trapped underneath the wrong image that he had of himself and all those negative things that the others said to him over the years was, was set free. And you know, we can kind of do this with Jesus and with ourselves. If you listen to what man's religion says about Jesus and you listen to what others say, you, ended up, you end up getting a distorted image of who he really is. And if you listen to what others have said about you, you can end up getting a distorted image of who you really are. Jesus came to clear that up. Yes. He came to reveal who God really is. But not only that, who you were made to be. So as we behold Christ, just like the ugly duckling looked in the water, in the Word, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, as in a mirror, we discover how wonderful He really is. And as we look in the Word, we discover who we were made to be. 
And boy, I remember when that happened in my life at the age of 19, I began reading the book of John. And I, I, I just, everything changed. And I discovered the wonderful God who made me. And I began to discover who he made me to be. You see, the word, the Bible, it's likened unto water. And Psalm 23, at the end of verse 2, says, He leads me beside still waters. It's in still waters that we see our reflection. So when we look at the Word, we see the reflection of who God made us to be and who we really are. So let's look at the first ugly duckling. Let's look at Jesus, the Son of Man. If you read through the Gospels, And you've seen that if you've been on the highway church plan. You'll see Jesus refers to himself many times, I think it's 84 times, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the Son of Man. Why does he call himself the Son of Man? I remember someone asking me that years ago. And he had just come to know the Lord and he started reading the Bible and he said, I notice Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Why does he say that? Well, long before Jesus came to earth as a man, actually thousands of years before that, when God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they chose to separate themselves from God. They rejected God. And when they did that, their image of God, their relationship with God became very distorted and twisted. Their image of themselves became distorted. But there was a point in time when God the Father asked God the Son. Now, the Scriptures teach us that there's one God, right? In three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was a point in time when God the Father asked God the Son to lay down His glory and come to earth as a man. Let's take a look at this in the Scriptures of Philippians chapter 2. We'll put it on the screen for you as well. Amazing what Jesus did. And Philippians tells us about this and describes it to us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. It's talking about Jesus. It says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God? We know that Jesus, the Son of God, He always was, He is, and He ever shall be, right? Okay? He is the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. Verse 7, but look what happened. But He made Himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Wow. The Amplified Translation says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. The Moffat Translation says he emptied himself. Wow. Verse 8. And being, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So God the Father asked God the Son to empty himself of all his glory and godliness and to be born in a barnyard called earth with the other ducklings. Let's read some more about this ugly duckling. 
Let's go back to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53. See, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus came to earth, there was nothing about his physical appearance that was any different than yours or mine. He looked like any other guy you'd pass on the street. It was how he talked and what he did that distinguished him. He taught about the goodness of God, about this amazing God who wanted to be our father. And he healed people and he set them free. That's what was different about him. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about this ugly duckling. And in verse 2 he says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We rejected him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And boy, you read through the Gospels and you see that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, was despised and rejected. His own family, there's one point where he's teaching and preaching and healing, and they're trying to get to him to bring him home so he'll stop doing what he's doing. His own family. Even in his own country where the people he grew up with, they, many of them don't put their faith in him. Many of them don't believe. They think he's lost his mind, that he's beside himself. Boy, the religious leaders, many of them, they hated him. They wanted him dead. His own disciples deserted him at his greatest time of need. He was despised and he was rejected. So why did Jesus do this? I mean, why did he come to earth in all of his glory and just, ta-da? Well, because God needed a man. Remember, man rejected God before Jesus ever came. Man separated himself from God. Man had a distorted image of God and a distorted image of himself, and Jesus came to change that. We were never made to be separate from God. You were designed to live each day of your life in an intimate relationship with God. If you don't have that, your view, your image of him will become distorted. Your image of yourself and others will become distorted. But when you're in relationship with him, when you're walking with him, you begin to see things as they are. Jesus came to earth to pay for your sin. Isn't that awesome? And to bring you back into relationship with the one who made you. And this ugly duckling was different. You see, he was born of the Holy Spirit. His mother Mary actually became pregnant with him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That never happened before. There was no man involved. So he was born the son of God and the son of man in one. See, to be born in a barnyard doesn't matter when you're hatched from a swan's egg, right? 
God needed a man on earth to conquer sin for you and to conquer sin for me because we can't do it in our own willpower and strength. He needed a man to take the curse of sin, to take our punishment upon himself. Let's keep reading in Isaiah 53. We'll read verse 3 again and then we'll go on. Verse 3, he's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely there's no doubt about it. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We thought he was He's the one who did something wrong, that God was punishing him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, that word means punishment, of our peace. That's capital punishment, by death. The chastisement of our peace, our shalom, our wholeness, was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we see here that this ugly duckling was our substitute on the cross. In fact, Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. You see, if, you, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, boy, it's a, it's a startling book. You see the best of man, the worst of man, and, and you see that they had an old covenant with God. It's no longer um, in effect. There's a new covenant now. But this covenant was, was, was built on the blood of animals because sin could only be atoned for through the shedding of blood. And so what they had to do to cover their sin was they had to sacrifice animals, bulls and goats and doves. But the problem was that that blood could only cover their sins. It didn't remove them. It didn't set them free from sin. In fact, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. It teaches us about this new covenant. See, we have, a, we have a covenant that's not built and founded upon the blood of animal sacrifices like the Old Testament. But it's built upon the blood of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll start in verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's impossible for man's religion to save you. It's impossible for you through your own efforts to be free from sin. Right. It's impossible for you through your own efforts to please God. Mm -hmm. Impossible. You need a Savior. Amen. Verse 5, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Wow, that's Jesus talking to his Father. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices sin, for sin you have taken no pleasure. It's not what God wanted. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. We read it in Isaiah, right? To do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, religion for sin you have not desired, 
nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first. That's the old covenant. It's not in effect anymore. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. That's the new covenant. Many Christians today are living under the old covenant, trying to in their thinking. They're trying to obey God through the law. They have a long checklist of things that they think they have to do every day to please God. It doesn't work. Church was never meant to be a place where you come and get a checklist of the things that you need to do to please God. You won't get any of those here. Hallelujah. Behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. Verse 10. By this will, the will of the Father that sent his Son, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Because of what Jesus did on Good Friday and the following Sabbath and rose on the first day of the week on Sunday, you and I have been sanctified once for all. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected for all time. Does that include April 5th, 2015? Even April 6th. For by one offering he has perfected for all time, every calendar, every day of every week, of every month, of every year, those who are sanctified. Two more passages, and then we'll close. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 13. We're learning about this ugly duckling, Jesus, the Son of Man, who gave his life for yours, who died so you could live, who suffered so you could be whole. Acts chapter 13, verse 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham and Whosoever among you feareth God, this is for everybody, to you is the word of this salvation sent, and it's being preached right now to you. For they that dwelt at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, talking about Jesus, the ugly duckling, right? Nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. That's why we're here, right? And he, he was seen many days of them which came with him from Galilee, came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, that's good news, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it also is written in the second Psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. It says in the scriptures that Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. So he was tortured. If you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, it gives us a tiny little glimpse into some of the things that he endured. He was tortured physically. He was brutalized and nailed to a cross physically. But more awful than that, 
his spirit for the first time in all of eternity was separated from God his Father. And that's why we see him say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you rejected me? It says in 2 Corinthians 5, he was made sin. And he descended into hell and endured the full wrath and judgment of God for everyone's sin since Adam. But death couldn't hold him because he never sinned. And on the third day, God said, you are my beloved son. And on this day, I have begotten you. And he rose from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. And from that day to this, there have been men and women on the earth telling people like you about what he's done for them. Last scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, talking about Jesus. Says he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. That's all of us. We were alienated from God because of what, what, the things we believed and the things that we did by our, in our mind, by our wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. He's brought us back together again through his son in the body of his flesh through death to present who? You. Holy. And unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Wow. Is the Bible telling me that you are holy through Christ? Yes. It's just as if you never sinned. Thank you, Lord. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, whoever you are, wherever you're from. Whatever you've done, all of the, the amazing things that Jesus did is credited to you. And you become God's very own son or daughter. So you see, nothing could be more relevant to your life than what Jesus did, than the resurrection of Jesus, because he did what he did just for you. You know, something we all have in common, we all have a conscience, right? We can deny it, but we all got one. And we just know inherently without anyone ever having to tell us that we've, we've fallen short of the life God came to give us. We've, we've fallen short of his glory. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we shouldn't do. And, you know, with that comes a guilt, and comes a condemnation, and Satan loves to condemn you. He loves to make you feel guilty, and because that guilt and that condemnation, it's like a, a, a big blah on top of us that keeps us from coming to God, keeps us from hearing God, keeps us from, from walking with Him. But Christ came, and it said, we, we read there, that, that we're made holy through Him. Our conscience is made clean once and for all through what Jesus did. And no one can change that. The devil can't change that. 
See, Jesus was made an ugly duckling because of our sin. We made ourselves ugly ducklings through our sin. (laughs) But he came to set the swan free in you so that you could fly and experience the grace and beauty, become the beautiful person that God made you to be. All of us need a resurrection. All of us need a new beginning. All of us need a fresh start. And that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Jesus, you did what you did for us. And for those of us who've put our faith in you, we've received the holiness and the cleanliness that only your blood can bring. And we thank you so much for making us clean. And if as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now, I want you to know this good news is not exclusive. It's for everybody. There's no reason why you can't be made new today. There's no reason why you can't have a fresh start. So if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, as your personal Savior, with your own mouth said, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you need to do that this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to make this the greatest Easter you've ever known. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, as your personal Lord, as the one who died for you, would you just lift up your hand wherever it is that you're sitting if you're here this morning and you need to give your heart to him? This is a private thing between you and him. It's not about joining a church. It's not about religion. It's about your heart being reunited with God's heart. That's all we're talking about. And if you need to do that this morning, would you just lift up your hand wherever it is you're sitting? I'd like to pray for you. Anyone at all who needs to make that decision. Good. Anyone else? Anyone else? At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.